The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen now. Happy dog. <laughs> this, yeah. This, I'm real tough. <laughs> Little dachshund. <laughs> And then it's just somebody just in another room opening a door. It's like, oh, it's somebody <laughs> outside, isn't it? Somebody's coming to get me. <laughs> I gotta protect us. No, Gar- dumb dog. It's good to have a guard dog. Uh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know how good the guarding is, but <laughs> does an awesome job of not pooping in the grass it'll uh, be like oh <laughs> the grass is a little bit wet in the morning i'll just poop here on the uh on the patio oh, thanks <laughs> yeah my mine does that too that's pretty funny welcome to season one episode 22 of the better band podcast an all-encompassing trip through the pearl jam catalog hosted by brandon palomo Each episode, my guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Hello, we're back on the Better Band Podcast. I'm the host, Brandon, and today my guest is Roddy Colmer. Hello, Roddy. Hello, thanks for uh, having me on. Oh, no problem. Uh, are you ready to talk about 2,000 Mile Blues? Yes, I've been waiting my whole life to talk about this song. <laughs> All right. Oh, there's so much to cover for it. But first, before we get there, that's called a tease. You guys got to wait till we get into it. I, uh, I, I need to ask you, Roddy, when did you first hear of Pearl Jam? I heard of Pearl Jam when they pretty much when 10 was out um I wasn't super into them yet when 10 came out I was kind of uh still stuck in like my classic rock phase so I was just listening to the Beatles and the Who and um I remember even liking really liking Lenny Kravitz at that time and then uh my friend, my best friend, loved Pearl Jam. He he used to play Jeremy all the time, and I still like. I, I liked it, but I was like, ah, I, I didn't really get it yet. Mm-hmm. And then um, Verses came out, and I think my, my memory is that a, a car racer died. It was like Ayrton Senna or one of those dudes died, and on the sports channel they played Elderly Woman over like a. Uh, memoriam for him hmm. and um that song just hit me and i was like oh my goodness like this i i just love that song so much when i heard it and um it made me dig it back into the band and then i bought 10 on cassette and i put it in the cassette player and from the first from his first note of singing once i was like oh my god like how how have i not been listening to this band and uh then i just became obsessed with them pretty much and uh that's all I listen to, um, up till now. Even <laughs> like I, I, I listen to them all the time still, which is kind of crazy. But um, it just shows how <clears throat> great they are and how impactful they were on me and and I think on on a lot of people. Yeah. Before I started doing this and really digging in and listening to you know everything that I could, making sure that I 
no kind of know what I'm talking about uh talking to different people I hadn't listened to them like super mm -hmm. closely in the past year or two you know like lightning bolt came out and so I listened to it then and then just kind of eh, listened to a couple songs every now and then and everything but never like mm -hmm. sat back down with the records and everything and and getting back into this and and doing this podcast is really kind of like oh yeah this band is really good. There's a reason I listened to it in the beginning and still still love it and everything. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, and it can like music really connects you to a time and I think like if you're lucky enough to be in that sweet spot of like a teenager or late teens when um the grunge era happened, we we're, we're pretty uh, I think we we're pretty lucky. Um I don't know how old you are, but I was like 10 11 12 going yeah. into like the grunge area and or the <clears throat> grunge era and um that music was just so imp impactful and uh so many great bands and great albums and it's such a cool time in your life like teenage years so i think that music really like sticks it really uh sticks with you and uh sort of has like a lasting imp impression on your life and then with Pearl Jam, they like they evolved and they kind of grew with their with their fans, and it kind of took uh, they took us on a ride with them, and like ups and downs, and <clears throat> kind of experimenting a little bit, but still like remaining true to themselves, and like it's it's pretty cool if you actually look at how they shaped their career and and what directions their their music took. It's pretty interesting uh, interesting ride. Now, uh, you you happen to be from uh, Toronto, Canada, right? That's right. And so, what was the what was music like around then when uh, when Pearl Jam was coming out in Toronto? I think it would be similar to any like major city. Like we have uh, the big rock stations here. The, mm -hmm. the main one is called Edge One Hundred Two, and they would be playing all like uh like Pearl Jam Soundgarden, Blind Melon, Alice in Chains, everything that any other major city would be playing and we were definitely like a tour stop for all those bands too. It wasn't like they would skip Toronto, you know what I mean? It's the fourth or fifth biggest city in North America, so we would get we would get all the bands. So Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think we 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 definitely didn't miss out on anything and we were kind of right in in step with with uh what was going on like my first pearl jam my first concert actually ever was pearl jam 96 at maple leaf gardens here for um no code tour mm -hmm. and um quick quick story i had like 300 level seats so way up high and um me and my buddy we noticed that the the, the floor uh wristbands mm -hmm. were it was just a yellow wristband so we found um, there was a O Henry bar box on the ground, just that had someone had like dropped one of the vendors or whatever. So we tore strip we tore strips off of the O Henry bar box because it was yellow, <clears throat> attached it to our wrist with chewing gum, mm -hmm. and walked past like three security guards onto the floor, and uh, <clears throat> went like pretty much like front row, came out with release <laughs> and then hail hail and it was like unbelievable show. So I was like 15 years old or something, like 10 feet away from Pearl Jam in like mid 90s. So it's pretty awesome first concert. Awesome, mm -hmm. like like uh, uh, 
I don't know. I'm trying to trying to trying to think of the the movie guy. I don't know James Bond, MacGyver, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, Jason man. Bourne, something. If you go to a concert, just bring like some uh, chocolate bar boxes with you, and then look what um, color the wristbands <laughs> are, and then <laughs> that's the trick. Awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I got to meet a few. I got to meet Eddie Stone and uh, Mike on like different occasions. Which cool. is really cool as well. And, uh, yeah, I'm hoping to meet, uh, I almost got to meet Jeff when he came here, when he played with his sideband, um, RN, what's it, what are they, RNDM or, yeah, RNDM. yeah. RNDM. But hopefully another time. Was that like, um, like outside the venue, like before the shows or something, or? Yeah, the Eddie was in Buffalo. He, um, we saw them driving to the venue and then Eddie came out. Um, which was super cool of him. He just came out to shake everyone's hand and said he saw us waiting there, so he thought he'd come say hi. Stone was he was playing with Brad at, in Toronto at this small mm-hmm. small venue, and um, he came out. He was heading into the bus, and he came out out to say hello, and we talked to him for a while. And then Mike was in Hamilton. He was just warming up, uh, like stretching and stuff outside the venue just randomly. And we just went up to him and talked to him for like 10 minutes. Super cool. So, yeah, I've been, I feel lucky I got to at least like shake their hands and say thank you to them. Yeah, well, it's 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 hard to not be nice to a Canadian, right? You see him waiting. I was like, <laughs> oh, hey, I know you're not going to be <clears throat> weird. <laughs> oh, there's definitely some weird Canadians, oh, okay. man. <laughs> For sure, but yeah, we're, we're uh, most people are pretty nice up here. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, I guess, I guess, I guess we could start talking about the song, maybe. <laughs> sure. So this is uh, just a little. I wouldn't even call it a song, really. No, no, it's it's, it's just kind of like a it's kind of like a jam. Yeah, yeah, it's just a little improv blues jam sort yeah. of thing that they recorded because uh, yeah I, I, I envision it like they're um, warming up for like a re- uh, rehearsal or warming up to record a song during the 10 sessions and they just had like the mics on and Mike just started playing that pretty standard bluesy riff and uh, Ed's just like kind of rambling over it but you can tell like sometimes it's a good exercise for um, vocalist, not even just for warming up, but just for trying to find lyrics, or because um, you never know what, what's going to come out yeah. if um, you just you're jamming and find a cool lyric or a cool melody that even if it's not good for that song, maybe it, it sparks something else, another idea. Um, so you can t- kind of tell that's what Eddie was doing. Like the only the only thing you can understand he says is 2,000 miles, which <laughs> I guess that's why they they called it that. <laughs> But it's pretty cool even just to hear him pushing his voice and like he was like he was singing them emotionally just kind of uh, even just while well, he was kind of um, not singing anything you know what I mean yeah. just practicing or um, he's such a powerful vocalist like especially at that point when he was super young and uh, his vocal cords were young and he could just push and like his voice could soar with. Uh, hardly any effort at all which is pretty awesome to to listen to it's always i don't know it it 
you know, listening back to to stuff that you listened to when you were younger kind of puts you in the headspace of like, oh yeah, that's what it was kind of like when I was young and how I felt when I was younger and everything. And then when you listen to stuff that they did when they were younger, and I, I think especially the stuff that's not as polished, stuff that's on the the record, the stuff that everybody has heard and is familiar with and stuff, you get like a real behind the scenes sort of feeling of what it was like for them to just be kind of you know not even before they were huge and people knew who they were they're just kind of messing around and just kind of regular guys were just like oh hey that's cool being in a band and having fun and you know maybe we'll get uh some money out of uh out of playing <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i think eddie said like he just wanted to sell enough records to make a second one yeah and it's and which is like i i know that mindset like being in a band it's like you just want people to hear it and you want it to be able to keep going and like it's so it's kind of intimidating and it's so difficult to make money doing music so like the uncertainty is is always there but i don't know just um i guess eddie kind of, well they both like both groups got lucky I, i'm i'm saying i'm counting eddie as like a group and then the rest of the guys as a group in finding each other at that time because like mother Lovebone was already pretty cool and they were already i think they had a record deal right so yeah. like they were already kind of on the cusp of it and then to lose that would be so devastating but then to find a guy like that it's like oh my god what are the chances of finding a dude like that talented who can like jump in that fast and like create something like so cohesive and amazing in such a short time with like guys who well some of them knew each other well but the whole group didn't know each other well and it's like listening to that record you're like wow that's like some magic or you know what i mean like what what is that how does that like where does that come from it's pretty it's pretty cool yeah i think when you when you got some things in common you know, I mean, if it, you know, caring about music, uh, the, the, the kind of music that you listen to, if other people listen to it too, it's, you, you have a little bit of a, I think, instant connection, a little bit of a shorthand there where you can kind of lean on and, and be like, oh yeah, we'll just come back to this spot and oh yeah, that's where we're connected and stuff. And, you know, once you start playing with them, you know, when you start playing music with them and stuff, it's just sort of like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, you yeah. know, it's real easy to to just get into it and be like, yeah, yeah. It's 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 not it's as like, hard as some other people would would think. Just kind of strangers meeting up and playing music. And it's kind of like, okay, what am I going to play? What are you going to play? If you just don't think about it too much, you kind of fall into the same you know groove. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they, they if you have like the roots or like there's like a tree trunk there, and then the branches can grow off the trunk, but like the trunk's already strong because like the guys either have like similar influences, like you said, they uh, have like the same sort of uh, motivation and energy, and like I guess the most important thing would be just like uh, obviously like gelling together musically and all kind of having the same uh like the same vision musically which obviously they did there so but that that, that's not easy to find though like that um cohesiveness as i said before i don't think like that that definitely is like uh, sort of like a lucky spark and that's like 
that, that that's like it's with a lot of bands i always think about how weird it is for certain people to end up together and then to be able to make because take one take one of those guys out and the music doesn't sound the same you know what i mean it's like it's so odd with any of those great bands that make amazing albums like for their first second third album and it's like um, yeah just a special sort of thing well, speaking of uh, taking people out, uh, Stone was at the dentist or doctor or something. They can't quite remember while they were recording this. Oh, really? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, and they just, you know, had the recording time. So I was like, okay, let's use it because, uh, you know, we're paying for it, I guess. And uh, yeah. Jeff is Jeff is quoted as saying, uh, that's just us hacking away at 12-bar blues and Ed going off and Mike going off, basically. I think that was the sort of thing we wanted to go into. We wanted to grow into as a band. We wanted to be able to play like that, take twelve bar blues, and move it somewhere exciting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And like you can hear some blues sort of influence in their in their band as a whole. Like I don't know who that comes from. Maybe Mike mostly. Yeah, I think that this is him doing his uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan uh, influence. Well, you know what the uh, solo when he goes into that solo, it like really reminds me of um, Red House by Jimi Hendrix. Do you know that tune? Just the solo, right when he started playing, I'm like, oh, this is like, this is the Red, Red House solo. But I think it's, um, like, I don't know if he was doing that consciously or not, but it's, like, super similar. But, yeah, it's fun even, even just to listen to him, to him play guitar. That's why, like, Pearl Jam's the type of band that can release that. And you're like, oh, let's put this on our, like, deluxe edition of, like, one of the greatest albums ever. Let's put this jam where the singer's not singing anything and like <laughs> you know what I mean? but and and the fans will like love to hear it. It's like, yeah, we want to hear them like just practicing. <laughs> like that's <laughs> kind of funny. But I like I don't know if you're like me, but I just like I would look and listen for anything from them. Like b-sides and like live things like even like bootlegs even before they had the official bootlegs like i would pay 70 dollars for mm -hmm. <laughs> a bootleg and like just to get one song that i've never heard them play live or whatever uh when they came out with the first uh group of bootlegs that they they came out with on cd like i looked up all the ones where they had like improvs or like stuff between songs and i got all those ones just so i could hear you know, even a little one, two-minute thing of them just kind of messing around in between a song. It's like, oh, yeah, that's what I want. Totally. Or like a, or like a weird tag on Daughter or something or like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did, I did the same thing. That's pretty funny. 
yeah i don't really know what else there is to say about this song yeah if, you, if you're real into them and you're like oh I, I need it all yeah i need it all you've probably you've probably gotten the uh deluxe box set and you've been listening to this yeah you know what like coming on here and um like listening to that song to sort of like get ready to come on here it made me listen to that deluxe edition again and like those brandon o'brien remixes are so good like it made Mm -hmm. me sort of appreciate the album all over again and it it was almost like listening to it for the first time because um just the way he sort of cleared everything up and um it just sounds so like pristine now um it's sort of washed there's a lot of like reverb and stuff on it on the original mix which sounds really great too like for the time but it it was cool to hear him pull some of that off for the for the remix edition yeah i think you can really especially if you listen to it with headphones it sounds like eddie is standing you know like right behind you as he's singing yeah yeah for him especially the lyrics like they're so upfront and they're so clear and uh like it's pretty awesome yeah you can you can hear the room in it it's not mm-hmm. it's not like super it's kind of like okay i'm listening to a recording it's kind of like oh whoa i'm like it's everybody is just right here with me yeah 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 i was really uh happy that they did that to that album because i think i remember jeff saying for a long time he wanted to do that he's like oh that like obviously he loves that album but he's like i think there was a little too much uh, sauce on it it'd be yeah. cool to hear it without without all that on it so it was awesome that they put it out is there anything else that we got to we got to cover about this song so that we can cl- close the book and have it all written in stone. <laughs> I think we can close it up. Yeah, probably not in my top 100 Pearl Jam songs <laughs> or 200, <laughs> but it was cool it was cool to hear it. It's cool to hear a little jam. Yeah. Um do you have uh do you have stuff to plug or stuff that you like that you want to get out there for people to uh find? Um, yeah, you could, if you want to check out my music, um, I just put out an album called Afterglow, um, just under my name, Roddy Colmer, on Spotify and Apple Music and all that, and, um, yeah, I have a bunch of music on there, a band called Rebel Emergency, another band called Most Non Heinous, which is sort of like 90s, like, we call it electro cock rock, so it's like <laughs> nine inch nailsy, but like super, um, it's almost like Nine Inch Nails crossed with like Queen or something. It's like super melodic and there's like a lot of piano, hmm. but it's also like really dirty and kind of heavy. But um, yeah, if you anyone wants to check that out, lots of Pearl Jam uh, influence on everything I do. So all right, cool. Thanks a lot uh, for talking with me and probably uh, probably have you back and uh, talk about maybe a, a, a song that we can find a little bit more out about something that's yeah a song a song with lyrics yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, I i love talking about pearl jam probably more than anything in in the world so anytime uh you want me on i'd be totally happy to all right well thanks thanks for coming on and i'll definitely have you back the better band podcast is produced by listenupreno.com and brandon palomo and published using a creative commons attribution share alike 4.0 license please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details all music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use 
You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from shoutengine.com slash thebetterbandpodcast using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ListenUpReno. I am on Twitter at BrandENP. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Roddy and as always, this is Brandon saying, Went by the name Homer. Seven feet tall he was with arms like tree trunks and his eyes were like steel, cold and hard. Had a shock of hair, red like the fires of hell.